For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 121. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing today? I'm feeling like a cyborg, man. It's ridiculous. I have these probes on me. Like, I'm just not safe for work for you, I guess, Matt. Like, <laughs> look, look at these things. I got one up here. I got, I got two on this side. So for those who don't know, I had heart surgery a couple months back. I have an irregular, I had an irregular heartbeat. And now they're they're just following up three months later just to make sure that it's not back. So I got this, some of you have already done this, have seen it, but for those who haven't, I have three probes on my chest and I have a halter monitor, which is really just like this really pager looking thing. This huge thing attached to me. Look at it, it's the size of my face attached to me at all times. The only time I take this off is in the shower. Okay. So it's really annoying to sleep in. I sleep on my stomach and I move, obviously, to side from side. And having that right there on my on my waist belt or whatever, waistband, is really annoying. It's digging into my side. And these these uh, suction cuppy things, they're not really – they're, they're stickies. They're like really big Band-Aids. They hurt when I take off. And I have to move it position while keeping it kind of in the same position so it doesn't, like, ruin my skin as I rip it off for the next two weeks. You got to do that for two weeks? For two weeks. This time, and then in three months, I got to do it again. And in three months, another another two weeks. Oh, my. So it's just like testing your heart rates, I guess, or monitoring it? Yeah, it's just monitoring it, see if it, it goes out of sync again, which okay. I don't think it is, but who knows? Okay. Well, I, I'm i sorry. I hope it gets a little bit more comfortable or you get used to it a little bit more. Yeah. I wish I had some of the benefits of being a cyborg, but I don't. So whatever. I'm sorry. That you, you win some, re- you lose some, right? <laughs> I'm sorry you couldn't reap the benefits of being a cyborg, Mitch. <laughs> one of these days, Matt. One of these days. Eventually, yes, that is for sure. Uh, day from hell for me. Uh, oh, yeah? Really busy day at work. It's the end of the semester, so uh, it was the holiday party. I had a ton to do for the radio station holiday party. And then tomorrow, I help out in a class. I'm the TA, and it's the final, so I got to get there extra early. Which, and I usually get there at 6.45 a.m. So um, I, I I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to be living off of caffeine for the next week and a half, and then I'm going to crash for probably two weeks. Oh, you're going to get sick, and it's going to suck. Oh, it's coming. Yes, there's uh, multiple people at work who are sick right now. So it's just a matter of time before I get deathly ill. Right before like the most important time of the year, the holidays, right? Where you can hang out with people, sit back, relax. No, you're sick, jerk. Sit down and don't do nothing. That's the worst. I feel it coming, and it's not going to be good. No. So with that, I mean, we got to get into it, Mitch. N- enough of the cyborgs and bad <laughs> days. We are going to get into the New York Islanders. Do you have an addition for us? I do. Um, so uh, the gimmick that we're going with now is for every episode we do over 100, we take a player who has played at that number of games. And so we're at 121. So we're taking someone who's played 21 games total for the New York Islanders. Excuse me, I burped. This tea's making me burpy. Um, 
21 games total for the New York Islanders. There were three to pick from. I picked Ken Sutton. Okay. So our edition this week is the Ken Sutton edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast. Can't wait. Uh, Okay. Nonetheless, let's jump right into it. The Islanders played. Sorry, one thing. Just for the uninitiated, we come back to Ken Sutton later. It's not just like we name drop and then we, we don't come back to it. At the end, we're going to have a quiz where I'm going to ask Matt three questions about Ken Sutton, his boy, and uh, see how well he knows him. Yeah, me and him go way back. <laughs> uh, so the Islanders played three games this week. They went two and one. One really bad loss in Dallas, a really nice win against Tampa Bay, and a nice win against... Um, Vegas. Vegas. Thank you, Mitch. You're Vegas. welcome. So... Would I say? Would you say it's a bad loss against Dallas? Like the scoreline looks bad, but I don't think they played bad. Eh. It was a four-one uh, loss, right? Like that looks bad. Okay, how about this? It evens out because they didn't play particularly great against Tampa Bay, but we're still able to win five-one. That's true. Okay, fair enough. That's fine. Uh, so yeah. we'll, we'll, they cancel each other out. Yeah, maybe. Too bad they didn't have the core seat. More on that later. Oh, more <laughs> on that later. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Vegas was fine. If you want to know more about the games, we won't break them down one by one. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know the the, the plug that's about to happen now. Um, We have a a patron podcast, and we have a patron page where after every home game, we will create a 30-minute, what's been going over 30 minutes recently, uh, a 30-minute podcast after the game detailing what happened, breaking down goals, breaking down plays. We will even go into the box score, detailed box score breakdown. We'll give you a made-up headline that you give to us sometimes because I'm really lazy. And we'll even give you winners and losers for the game. All of that wrapped up into a nice bow for $5 a month. It's a it's a great deal. Check it out. Uh, come on along. But on the games themselves, just, just to recap briefly... The Vegas win felt good. They needed that after going on the road and being absolutely terrible. And then Dallas was just, I don't know what the hell happened in Dallas, but we got the coach fired, so that means something. We didn't really, but it happened after our game. Yeah, well, it might be him being just a not-so-great person. I I think so, man. So, if you're again, if you didn't know, uh, Jim Montgomery was fired for reasons, uh, for being unprofessional. What that is, we have no idea. It's not for abusing players, apparently. It's not for being uh, racist towards his players. It's it's none of that. It's To me, based on how quick they were to fire this guy, they, they, they saw it happen or they heard about it firsthand, and uh, it was not good, and I believe it happened off the ice. So it's just like maybe just not a good person off the ice or something. We're going to find out, and when we find out, I don't think it's going to be anything... It's going to be a lot worse than we think it is right now. Oh, yeah. It's probably going to be pretty bad. If they would fire him and not necessarily say for the exact reason, like it's going to come out eventually, yes. But if the stars weren't like, hey, we fired him because of this, uh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. Let your imagination run. Yeah, and keep in mind, Bill Peters had a couple of days to for them to investigate. Mark Crawford is still under investigation. So, like, this was... Boom, done. We're firing this jerk. And you're going, whoa, what happened? Something really bad happened. Yeah, um, so everyone's kind of in the hockey world sitting around waiting for that news to come out. But definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. And then there's the 5-1 Tampa thrashing. I would say you're right that they didn't play the best game of hockey. They played an OK game, um, but they just took it full advantage of Tampa Bay. It was fantastic to see. Yeah, they absolutely did. Oddly enough, I think their best period was the first when there was no goal scored. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It was their best period. They they really dominated the play, and uh, no one did anything, which is fine, right? Like, whatever. You, you, if you're going to be playing this kind of like cat and mouse game and you don't let anyone get ahead, all right, that's fine. You're, you're, you're still level pegging with 40 minutes to play, so that's okay. Absolutely. So with that, let's get this thing rolling, Mitch. We want to start by going down on the farm. We're going to start by talking about Kiefer Bellows first. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the B word was thrown around. Not saying that either of us were ready to call him that, but it was the discussion that was on social media. Some people were saying that. We both said it was too early, and he has definitely turned it around since we've had that discussion so Kiefer Bellows now has five goals and three assists. And how many? Oh, I don't have the numbers on me, but it, it's 
look at that. This is why I have a co-host. It's a tag team scenario. So wait, I what st- number do you want? I know you want numbers. I didn't realize which I, one. I would uh, just goals in the last few games, points in the last few games, maybe. Okay, I've got that. So over the last six games, because that's when he... So this all started, the reason we, we really focused on Bellas is he was scratched for two games, right? He was a healthy Correct. scratch. And uh, since then, he's come back, he's played six games, has five points, four of them are goals. Mm. I will take that. Out of Again, out of eight points total this year. <laughs> he's played 23 games, scored eight points. Five of those have come in the last six games. Yeah, he has definitely played much, much, much better over the last six games. And maybe that's the wake-up call that he needed? I, I, I don't know. What is there really another explanation? No. So, so think of it this way. He scored 63% of his production over the last 26% of his season. That's a lot of math. That's a lot of math. math. It's a lot in a little. Just put it this way. He did a lot in a little. And it that is. It's understand. that wake-up call that he needed. Yeah, it definitely seems to be because there's a talented guy. Like, you don't get drafted in the first round without having talent or something that, you know, grabs the attention of NHL scouts. I mean, he put up 41 goals in the WHL. Like, that's a pretty good league. Like, he dominated that league. And last year, he really struggled in Bridgeport, only 12 goals, 19 points in a 73-game season. And he's off to an even worse start this year. And that's why, I mean, it was obvious why people are starting to worry about him. But if he can start scoring and start giving you the production that you expected from him after his season in Portland, then we might have something here. The thing we have to remember with, maybe not remember, I shouldn't say remember because that sounds condescending, and it is. Um, So I'm going to say the thing we should note with, uh, because this is a realization I'm making live as we we record uh, with Kiefer Bellows is that he's never going to be this player who can do it on his own. Right, he's going to be a complimentary player who can do things well, very well. Like he could score, he could put up points, but he needs a player to give him the puck. Like the reason he put up, not the reason, but the main reason he put up forty-one goals with the Portland Winterhawks is he's playing with Cody Glass. This is a, this is a pretty good player at the WHL level. Yeah, that's true. So like that helps. Uh, now he's playing with Matt Larido uh, for the uh, the Sound Tigers, and now he's putting up points. You put him with a good center who can open up the ice and get him the puck. He's gonna find. He's gonna hit the goal. This gets gonna happen. Look, he's even shooting more now. He was for his first, uh, first before getting scratched. He was shooting at two point three goal uh, shots per game. Now he's at a flat three. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but he's getting one extra shot per game. For a guy who needs to score, who is doors not needs to score, but it's a goal scorer. Getting the puck on net is the remedy. If you're not exactly. scoring, just get it on net, and he's doing that now. Yeah, because. To me, like, Bellows isn't a particularly great skater. So I don't know if this comparison's really all that fair, but I'm going to make it anyway. He kind of reminds me of Anders Lee a little bit in the sense, maybe he's not the net front presence that he is, but just the bigger body, goal scorer, not necessarily someone who's going to, like, skate circles around you. But if you put him with a good center, he's going to be productive for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with you with the the physical attributes are the same. The type of player is different because he's got a better yeah. shot than Enders Lee does. Yes, I agree. Uh, I would say, but <clears throat> you're right. You put him next to someone who can get you to open it, open it up. I think he's better than Lee even. Just just because you can use him in, in, in more situations. Like Lee, three from if he's further than three feet from the net, he's less effective. Every foot he gets from the net, he's that much more less that, that less effective than he is or he should be. Uh, whereas someone like Bellows, if you can get him in even an OV spot or like 10 feet out of the net, he still has a decent enough shot where he can get it in. Right. He There's more raw talent there, I guess, is probably the best way to say it because he could do a little bit more. Obviously, he has to prove it at the next level, at the AHL level, and then the NHL level, of course. But I just see him in that sense or, or that role, I guess, in the future with the Islanders because of you know the kind of role that Anders Lee's playing now. I could see it kind of be a similar role for Kiefer Bellos in a few years. That's right. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And we have to remember, maybe not remember again, that's condescending. Um, just looking at his draft year, there aren't a lot of players around him that are really killing it in the NHL. Like, He's drafted 19th, right? Uh, before him was Logan Stanley, still hasn't played in the NHL. 
Uh, if we're looking at wingers, Max Jones, who's da- drafted 24th, has 53 games played with the Ducks, mind you, a terrible team, has 10 points. Uh, there's a bunch of other players who still haven't played, like Riley Tooft, uh, Locus Johansson, or they even have Jake Bean, who's drafted 13th by Carolina, has two games. Or Ole Ulevi, drafted 5th overall by uh, Vancouver, still hasn't played a game in the NHL. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I don't think that bus is fair. He's having a real hard time, and he could very well be one eventually uh, if he doesn't turn it around. But this turnaround has me, um, what sort of, I'm looking confident that he could shed the bust label. I'm not saying he's going to be what we thought he was going to be, but he's definitely not, he doesn't look like he's going to be a bust to me. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I don't think, I'm still not ready to say it yet. I, Again, if we're at this point next year and he's having another rough start to the season, and it all depends on what happens the rest of the way this year, too. Like, if he goes back to what he was doing in the first 20 games of the year, then we're concerned again, and rightfully so. But if he is producing at you know a reasonable rate in the AHL and finishes the season strong and maybe gets closer to 20 goals, then you're like, okay, that's a semi-positive step forward. Yeah, this time I'm going to use remember. We have to remember, this is only his second professional season. We're, we're, we're judging him and giving the B word off of, off of one professional year. This it, one plus 23. Like, it's not, it's way too soon for that. Yeah, it definitely is way too soon. So I, I think the key for Bellows is patience and seeing what happens the rest of this year. Yeah, this year is going to be huge into, into helping us determine how it's going to go. So he's had the wake-up call. Uh, let's see how he bounces back. The, the, the first game, he had two points, and it's been slowly trickling away. Let's see how complacent he gets, or, or doesn't. Maybe he doesn't, and then he just keeps going on that tear that he's on. And I hope that's the case. I really want this to work out. I, I, don't, I don't imagine anyone is like, yes, Bellows is failing. But may, you never know. There's some people out there. Uh, maybe, yeah. And I don't think anyone's necessarily rooting for him to do poorly. I certainly hope not. But I would certainly be hoping that he continues this hot streak down the rest of the season. But he is not the only one down there that needs to be talked about. Otto Koivula, the Islanders just sent him back down. And, I mean, I know you're going to agree with me, but I'm going to say it anyway. It had to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Him and Michael Dalcole should have got on the same bus, but Probably, only only yeah. one of them went. That's true. Otto Koivula, in his last game, played Four and a half minutes? Four no? minutes and 26 seconds exactly. Yeah, that's uh, like at that point, why even dress him for that game? He Well, he took that one penalty. I'm sure he would have ended up with probably six minutes. Like this is his ice. He's had seven games in the, in the NHL this year. Or is it six? Either way, I'll figure it out. Uh, this is his ice time in each one. Okay. 7-14, flat nine. 7-13, 6-32, nine minutes, 38 seconds. Four minutes, 26 seconds. That's it. Never played over 10 minutes. Um, never. So essentially, he never got any significant ice time at all. Uh, so it's just, why, why are you bringing him in? What, what are you hoping to gain out of this? Yeah, that's true. Like, um, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I want to bring someone up after this, but like, sorry, go for it. Okay. My, my thought was, I, I understand... Barry Trotz's idea is to work guys into the league slowly. He doesn't want to give them too much, and this is kind of the route that he goes. I'm just not sure what you could learn from a player off of six minutes a night. So that that's just it. I don't get it. I I I I'm gonna sound hypocritical here uh, just because I get it when it comes to Noah Dobson. I get it. The only difference here is that Noah Dobson cannot go play at the AHL level. He can't. He has to go to junior. And if he goes to junior, that's it. He's not coming back until the end of the year. So it doesn't make any sense. You can't just like have him come around and, and keep him around when you need him like you could with Otto Koivula. Right? If you're going to play Otto Koivula four and a half minutes, it doesn't make sense to keep him. When you can go have him play in the AHL and he can get 15 minutes a night. That's a big difference. How, how, like, how much does that help the development of a child or a child? A kid, he's 20. Um, if he's playing 15 minutes over four and a half. I understand the caliber is different and he's still within the environment and organization. 
but man, 15 minutes of ice time and learning is a lot different than four and a half. That's a great point you brought up about Noah Dobson because, yeah, I agree with you in the sense that it makes more sense because you'd have to send Dobson back to junior, and there's a big difference between juniors and the AHL. I think we could all you know, justify that. In maybe a, in a perfect world, Dobson's probably in the AHL and Thomas Hickey's your seventh defenseman. Like yes. if, if that rule doesn't exist, that's probably what's going on right now. 1,000%. But, but based on the variables that we have here, which is it is either NHL or you kiss him goodbye for the rest of the year and he has to go back to junior, you live with him playing. At this point, it looks like he's maybe going to play 20 games as your seventh defenseman and you see what you have there. Yeah, and again, you, you keep him around the organization. He learns through, you know, just soaking up everything he can while he's there, following the team around, you know, becoming a better pro. So then when he hits the ice, that stuff isn't happening. He doesn't have to learn that. There's something to it. Uh, for Koivula, you didn't have that option. Or sorry, you, you, you had more options where you're going, well, we could send you over there. And you can learn to be a pro from guys like Thomas Hickey you just talked about and Andrew Ladd. Yes, Andrew Ladd has not been worth his money, but there's some, still some value there in him as a as a professional and as him as, as a player. There, there's something to be learned from him. There's something to be absorbed out of that. Uh, and, and if it's teaching Otto Koivula how to be the perfect pro or or even Oliver Wallstrom, for example, then great. That That's value out of Andrew Ladd, that found value that we didn't have previously. So because you have that option, you should take it for Otto Koivula. There's no reason keeping him here for four and a half minutes. I know I'm only focusing on the four and a half just because it's a really startling number. But that that's that's clearly something where you're going, we're not ready to play you. Okay, cool. The, the, the players learn by playing. That's how that's how they do it. Just like anyone else who's listening to the podcast, if when you whenever you go to work, you learn by doing the work. You find efficiencies, you find better ways of doing something, you find tools, things to help you out. That's how he's gonna do it. That's how he's gonna be a better player is by learning. And Four and a half minutes is not playing. That's the perfect analogy. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to piggyback off that. Like, for example, I teach a radio class at the school that I work at. I don't have them watch me edit in Adobe Audition. I have the students actually getting their hands on it and edit in Adobe Audition because there's no way that you're going to be able to do it without actually doing it. Yes, you could watch me and I could show you some things and say, oh, I didn't know how how to do that. But you kind of have to do it yourself, make the mistakes and then figure out, okay, I've made this mistake. How do I resolve it on my own? And that's, to me anyway, how I see the most progression. Absolutely. Specifically in a task like this where it's a little bit more manual, like hockey. Whereas for me, if I went to school for political science, well, like I'm not necessarily going to learn anything. I won't learn it as well as like sitting and watching politicians. Oh, yes, I see the uh, the, 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 the key here and learning like, oh, that does a very Hobbesian take on that. No, like that's not how it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for this, absolutely, that there's something to be learned by actually doing it. And Otto Koivula wasn't doing it. He just wasn't doing it. So sending him to the AHL where he can do it. Although, man, like, I'm going to stop myself midpoint here. Are we sure Brent Thompson knows how to develop forwards? Oh, I like where this conversation is going. I wasn't expecting this, but um, no, I, I, I don't. There's not right? really. Who can you say that he developed? Sezikis Lee? Exactly, right? Like who? Lee? Sure, he spent like 25 seconds there. Brock Nelson, was he even the coach then? I, I forget when he actually settled in. I, I'm just saying it now because I'm thinking of all the defense and they turned out. Ryan Pula, Devin Taves, Adam Pellick, right? These are all guys that went through there, and I'm sure I'm missing some. Scott Mayfield, I missed him right there. That's their top four recently that went through there, and, and I know there's there are more. But when it comes to forwards, Nino did, didn't happen. Ryan Strom didn't happen. Um, who else am I missing here? Griffin Reinhardt didn't work, but like I don't know if that's a that didn't <laughs> seem to be a Brent Thompson thing. <laughs> Josh Hosang didn't work. Kiefer Bellows is barely working right now. Uh, come on now, at what point are we looking at this guy going like he clearly can't do forwards? Let's hire a coach and let's keep this guy on as a defensive coach because he seems to know what he's doing defensively. Uh, I mean, yeah, that that definitely seems to be uh, something worthwhile. He, let's see, he's been, 
Wrong Brent Thompson. <laughs> he's been there for a, a while, and that's why it's concerning, because you're going, all right, the last guys he turned out were Casey Sezikis, who's great, mind you. Now, this is not to say that Casey Sezikis is not a good player, but Casey Sezikis has been in the league for a while now, and it's not like the Islanders haven't sent them players with talent. Again, Michael Del Cole's a top-five pick. There's something there. There's definitely something there. Um, Josh Hosang, we talked about. We talked about Nino Niederreiter. Again, top five pick. Ryan Strom, top five pick. Like, there's a, there's a theme here of just not being able to turn out forwards. Unless I'm, I'm, I'm completely missing something here. And even then, Anders Lee, sure, he was drafted in the sixth round. But if he was just committed to hockey, he wouldn't have been a six-round pick. True. Okay, so the, with Thompson, I looked it up. It yeah. is a little tricky. So... He was their coach for the 2011-2012 season. Okay. Then was the Islanders' assistant in 2012, the 2012 season and 2013-14 season. Right. And then went back to that role. Okay. So, Anders Lee didn't spend very much time with him or Sezikis. No. Right? When did they become full-time NHLers? Wasn't it 2013? Uh, for Sezikis, it was the 2012-2013 season. For Lee, I think he came, he might have played two games that year and then played a little bit more in 13-14, but his yeah. first full year was 14-15. So there you go, right? Like, he barely had him, if anything. Um, and then who's, who's after that? Who came after that? No one. Uh, yeah, because you get, look at guys like Beauvillier and Barzal who were drafted by the Islanders and had an impact. They they never played in the AHL. Well, I mean, Beauvillier did for like half a second. <laughs> yeah, torched the league, came back, and then torched the NHL. Uh, he was there for a New York minute, right? Is that how is that the tr- how a New York minute goes? I don't know. Yeah, like the blink of an eye. Uh, yes, I got it. Right on. Uh, the New York minute. Uh, but, <laughs> it's in my head. That, that's a great point because <laughs> now it's stuck in my head. Uh, Brent Thompson really hasn't had maybe and maybe it's not fair maybe it has to do with something with the drafting but there's just so many there's been so many yeah well that's the thing like can garth just not identify and uh we're, we're kind of getting past the point here but i think we made our point with Otto koivula going to the ahl it's a good thing and here's right. why done now is it going to be a good thing for him going forward because the guy behind the bench doesn't necessarily know how to develop forwards like they seem to be able to, they being the Islanders seem to be able, able to identify talent again. Bo Barzal that worked out pretty well, and Barzal again was picked 16th. Boston had three cracks at it and didn't take him, but the Islanders did. They can take Bo. That worked out. Uh, Simon Holmstrom seems to have worked out. Oliver Walson worked out. Noah Dobson worked out. I guess Dobson's a defenseman, so that's not my point here. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to be able to take talent, but still doesn't able to do anything with it. But when it comes to defense, oh, well, that that works. Like, he might just be a defense guy, which is fine. It's just we need a guy to do offense now. Right, because even if you look at the defensemen, they were able to find, like, good depth. Like, Devontae's was a fourth-round pick. Scott Mayfield was a second-round pick. Pellick was what, like a second or a third? I think he was a second-round pick, yeah. I'm trying to open it up here. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a second-round pick. Sorry to put you on the spot, but I was just kind right. of going off the top of my quicker. head. Uh, hockey reference here. Let's open this up. He was a third-round pick in 2012. Okay. So, like, they've gotten uh, Sebastian Ajo. Like, they've gotten talent in the later rounds at that position that have turned into stuff. So maybe you're right with the – he could just develop defense. Just just food for thought. Just putting that out there. Like, he seems to know what he's doing defensively. He really does. And, and what I mean defensively is in, like, teach defensemen. He seems to know, or the Islanders are just really, really, really good at, at, at identifying defensive talent. It's one, one of the two. Uh, but when it comes to forwards, they just don't seem to have it. Whether that's an AHL issue or a uh, scouting issue, I don't know. Uh, but I feel like it's an AHL issue. Yeah, I definitely I definitely see that. Uh, anything else on Otto Koivula before we move on? I just want to see more from him. He's scoring at a half point per game, which is nice. I'd like to see that go a little bit higher. Uh, same thing with most of the uh, the Sound Tigers, though. Like Oliver Wallstrom is not having a great time. Well, no. he's a fine time, just not what we thought it would be. Right, and I don't know. No one's really putting up great numbers there from the forward group. Defensively, Sebastian Ajo is doing pretty well, but they're not really. They don't have someone putting up monster numbers. No, Matt Larido is the team leader in points with sixteen and twenty six. 
I don't want Matt Loretto leading the team in points. I want it to be like Koivula or Wallstrom. Like I, I'm fine if he is because he this is his this is where he plays. This is his level, and if he's really good at this level, great, that's fine. But like guys like Wallstrom and Koivula aren't even close. Like it, it's it's Laredo and Aho, and then it falls off a cliff with Travis Saint Denis at ten points at number three. Parker Worthington was not far behind mm-hmm. at ten points, and then Wallstrom's got nine and eighteen half point, so that that's fine, but. Ugh. It's his first year. Bellows right there. So it's Wallstrom, Bellows, Durando, and then Koivula at like six, seven, nine, and eleven. Okay. So they're they're right there, but like they they they're all in single digits. Eesh. Yeah, not not great. So with that, we're gonna move <laughs> on and get into Lou Lamarillo, and what do we think happens? Do the Islanders make a trade? What's the story here? So, have you read uh, Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts today? I did. You did? Okay, did you know, look at number six? I, I, I mean, I did, but it didn't... <gasps> okay, number six says this. I, I, I copied it. Quote it. All right. You know, who's, uh, you know who's looking for a score? I'm trying to read this like Friedman. You know who's looking for a score? The New York Islanders. But I'm not expecting Lou Lamarillo to tell me how he feels about Taylor Hall. That's it. That's the thought. Okay, but that doesn't really tell you anything. Well, it tells me that Lou Lamarillo is looking for a score. And that Elliot Friedman has heard rumblings that the Islanders are looking for someone. So that means he's calling around. I'm not saying that, like, oh, the Islanders are in on Taylor Hall, man. What? It's just, he's calling. He's picking up the phone, and he's looking for someone. As he should, and maybe someone's going to say, like, well, why why wouldn't he? It's just, we, we've seen him make one trade. So, like, one. One. One in the year and a half he's been here. Um... So it's nice to know that he's actively poking around, poking and prodding. Like, this is his active period. Right now, his, like, heaviest period is January and February, February being the trade deadline. But January leading up to it, that's when Lou Lamarillo is at his, his busiest. Well, that'll be here before you know it. That's true. So, like, he's looking. He's looking to bring in more forward depth. Okay, I think he should and I think I guess that's where the conversation is going to go now is whether or not you, you think that's the right decision who's saying it isn't if someone tells me that they shouldn't be looking for a forward they need to get on the next plane to the moon and go find somewhere to live because that's that's a ridiculous take well I don't know maybe they think that the roster is good enough as is okay if you want to stand pat that's fine cool I, you don't have to go to the moon for that I'm just worried about someone to be like they need to bring in some defense include or superimpose a Spongebob meme with like caps and not caps right here as I say that. It doesn't make any sense if you're thinking they need to improve the defense. They got like three 40-point players roughly uh, on the blue line alone. They're good. And they got Noah Dobson just sitting there chilling, you know, twiddling his thumbs. Exactly. Uh, So basically your two options are either stay the same or another forward. I know that it's tough because Depends on who's available. Depends on what you give up. But if you were to align on one of those two sides with the least amount of context as possible, which side are you getting on? So, so are you asking me which? what would I do? Yes. Trade, baby, trade. Bring in a forward. Bring in a forward. Okay. I'm kind of surprised with that answer, Mitch. I'm going to be honest. Really? I tend to think that you lean more on the conservative side when it comes to roster decisions like that. I do, because I don't like when it comes to like, well, we have to lose this, that, and the other thing. And then that's when I get shaky. But right now, I'm super confident because we haven't got into price yet. I love you, Mitch, but you tend to prospect hog a little bit. Oh, definitely. Hard. Absolutely. I, I prospect hog very much. I, I like some prospects, but I'm fine with letting go of other ones. But obviously, the ones I'm fine with letting go of are the ones that aren't very valuable. Okay. Can we play this game? Uh, maybe. I don't know. What game? <laughs> Which prospects are you comfortable with? I'm going to give you, I'll give you a name. I'm not going to go through every prospect, obviously, but I'm going to say, I'll give you five names. Okay. You say comfortable, not comfortable. Okay. Go. N- Noah Dobson. Not comfortable. Okay. Definite no. Oh, like hard. Even... I couldn't say that any faster. Okay. Oliver Wallstrom. Not comfortable. Okay. Kiefer Bellows. Comfortable. Uh, Simon Holmstrom. 
sure comfortable, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't know anything about him yet. He's, okay, he's, I'm just trying to think again. of like top <laughs> like, picks or top Sebastian Ajo, very comfortable. Sorokin. <sighs> comfortable? Okay. All right. You didn't seem very convincing on that comfortable. I'm Mitch. not because I don't know if he ever wants to play for the New York Islanders. I, I don't see why he wouldn't, but it's just, just something that, again, on, on, on Friedman's 31 Thoughts. So we had the, the tweet this morning from uh, Kal- Kalinis, uh, Kalinins? Kalinins, uh, from Avnis Kalinins, uh, saying that Soroka, or the CSK in Moscow are going to offer Sorokin a long-term contract. Whatever that is long-term, and, and the, the price obviously isn't discussed, because why would he say that? Um, <clears throat> but they're going to try to make a pitch for, to, to keep Sorokin for a while. And that, that that has me thinking. And then and, and in the tweet, um, not the tweet, sorry, the thought for, for for Friedman was if he signs something that's at least three years, he can go to the, come to the NHL as a UFA. Yeah, but then I, I feel like he'd kill his value doing that, though. We're trying a 27-year-old with, who's never played in the NHL. A lot of people. Nikita Gusev just signed a... Two year, what is it? Two or three year, five like ten million dollar deal with the New Jersey Devils. Never played in the, the NHL. I feel like forward's a little bit different though than goalie. This this isn't just a forward. This is the best goalie outside of the NHL. And you're telling me a team isn't going to sign him? We have two teams in the NHL who've signed two goalies at thirty years old and uh, tossed them eighty four million dollars and ten million dollars, seventy million dollars. And you're telling me they're not going to sign a 27-year-old? I don't know. It seems it seems very risky, Mitch. Oh, it's it's 100% risky. Don't get yeah, one I right there with you. But there's a, at least one team who's going to do it. One team out there is going to do it. Okay. All right. I don't know if he'd get the same. I don't know if he'd get the same term. If he, I think if he came over, played on the one-year ELC, and then got a contract as an RFA, I think he could probably do a little bit better for himself. Absolutely, one hundred percent. He could. Why? Why wouldn't he be able to do that? And you still get trade protection and, and anything else. Although, why would you want that if you if you're looking for it? it, it even then, when it comes to uh, the ELC, we know the cap on ELC is nine twenty five. Mm-hmm. That's salary, though. When it comes to ELC, you can still uh, negotiate signing bonuses, and I think signing bonus is ten percent of the, the total value of the contract. And you can add performance bonuses on that up to, I think it's $2.85 million. So you're saying $2.85 million plus 925, we're doing math here, plus uh, 0.925 is 3.77 times 0.10 plus 3.775. We're looking at a $4.15 million contract for one year, essentially. He's got to hit his performance bonuses, but assuming he does, that can pay him out to $4.15 million. A lot of money. That's more than the KHL can probably offer him. Maybe I, I'm not sure. I'm sure they could they could do something because it's the KHL lulls to rules. Um, but I'm, know, sh- I'm sure that I'm sure he's looking at that, saying, you know, I'll probably lose, let's say, a million, two million for one year. I will make another six million extra every year after that, though. Yeah, that's the thing. Like we know money's a thing for him, but we also know that he's not an idiot. Yeah, I would be. I think I'd be surprised if he resigns in the KHL. So would I. Really, like, if he does, it's because he doesn't want to be for. He doesn't want to play for the Islanders specifically. Not because he doesn't like Lou or or what or anything. It's just he doesn't want to play in a smaller market. And I know it's New York, but like we have to face fact that the Islanders themselves are a small market. That's true. And we got a little bit off topic, but I'm gonna rope us back in because yes, I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to say that I too align on the side that they should be actively pursuing a goal scoring forward because this team is very good they are third in the Eastern Conference they are a very 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 solid team but if you were to say that there is one flaw on this team the flaw would be that they don't have a goal score I'm going to make the comparison again it's going to come up later in the show Spoiler alert. But yesterday, the Yankees signed the best available starting pitcher. They won 100 games last year. 
They were in the American League Championship Series. They were a great team. Everyone thought they could probably win as is. But if you had to say what their one issue was is that they didn't have a big starting pitcher. So they addressed that need. Now there's zero excuse. They are going all in. For the Islanders to do the same and go all in, they need that other scoring forward. And I think you have to make the move eventually. You could only sit here and wait for prospects and guys to develop for so long. Sometimes you need to add that one last piece to go make it happen. It would be different if last year wasn't a good year. Like they, they maybe not, you know, fell off the face of the earth, but they missed the playoffs by a couple of points. Then you're thinking, okay, that's where we're at. Fine. But they went and hit 103 points and you're going, whoa, that changes everything. It mm-hmm. really does. And you have to accelerate your plan. It can't be like, in five years, we'll be contenders, or in five years, we'll be good. No, you're there now. You don't have to wait five years to be good. You're there now. I'm not saying they're contenders, but they're, they're there now. And again, like you said, fourth best team or fifth best team in the league as it stands. You have to go and get a Ford. Because for as good as you are, the Islanders are still ranked 24th in terms of goals for in the league. That's worse than last year. They were 22nd. With 84 goals. They're next to the Ottawa Senators and Chicago Blackhawks. Teams that aren't in the playoffs and not even close. Yeah. I They need I know Barry says like, you know, well, we scored five on five. You're like, all right, really? Okay, fine. Like, but let me just figure this out. Goals by strength. Let's let's run that report here. This is from the NHL. Goals four, five on five. The New York Islanders rank, uh, I'm having to scroll down here. Uh, where are they? 28th out of 31. Not good. Not good enough. Like, imagine how good they would be if they had that wing. Let's just, for argument's sake, say they bring in Taylor Hall. That changes everything. It changes everything. Even if they only keep him for a year, it changes everything this year. It really does. No, it does. And we, I know we talked about that recently, too, on here about what he could do and that's that's the thing someone of that caliber even as a rental for just this year but even let's say maybe it was a long longer term solution like we've been saying they are a good team that they're going to be a playoff team this year unless something catastrophic happens the rest of the season right but i know it's the nhl and anything could happen once you get into the playoffs but they're not a complete team to me you add that one more piece, which isn't a crazy thing. It's not saying you got to do this, this, and this. It's literally one more goal scoring forward, and you have a contender. And I think you got to do it. I think so. You, you have to do it. Maybe if you're not keeping him forever. And I know I've said in the past, like, I'm not down for rentals. And, and I look at this and I say, like, I'm not really down. Uh, but I, at a certain point, you have to do it. And I also have to make bed with the fact that Lou Lamarello is our GM, and he does these type of things where he brings in rentals. He brings in these these type of players. He's done it a million and a half times for New Jersey. Uh, Laird Brooks wrote about it, although he went from, like, maybe he goes for Hall. Like, he, he'll probably do it. That's the type of movie he makes. But he'll probably settle on Travis Zajac. Come on, oh, man. Oh, no, no. What kind of garbage settle on Travis Zajac? Even if that's... No, it's just, I... I, I, I refuse to entertain the fact that Lou Lamarillo is actually going to be like, you know what? I can't get that Taylor Hall guy. How about that Travis Sajak fellow? Hmm? I remember him could get me some 34-year-old with 12 points on the year. That would do me wonders. What? No, I understand we need to redevelop the third line and stuff, but we need a top-scoring winger first. Because if we get that, guess who's moving to the third line? One of our top six guys. Yeah, like Derek Broussard. <laughs> yeah, which was he was brought maybe in here someone to do. else, right? He might e- even drag someone else with them. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I definitely think that they should be looking to add. I don't necessarily know who that is per se, but I definitely think that it should happen. Just if you look at the teams that are out there, there, there are very few bad teams that have big players up for grabs. Like I know Anthony Duclair is having a good year, but that's not a guy you go all in on. That's not a guy no, who's going to no, change no. everything. So I really, I, I don't know who, who you're going for. What team has a, a big star player that's available? And, and again, Taylor Hall quality player that's, you know, bottom of the league. Los Angeles, what, they're, they're getting rid of Anzi Kopitar all of a sudden for no reason whatsoever. The Chicago Blackhawks are ready to move Patrick Kane. 
If they did, that would be amazing. Matthew Barzell and Patrick Kane would be ridiculous. As much as I think Patrick Kane is probably a deplorable human being off the ice, but like on the ice, he's something different. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> conversation for another day, for sure. But, I, oh my God. Now you got me thinking of that, those two on the ice together. Right, like that was his idol growing up too. I mean, yeah, that was... He That'd be something. That, but, but someone of that caliber, yeah, we're not talking about like a Duclair, we're not talking about a J.G. Pajot, like we're talking about a high-level player completely changing it. Because we saw Lou Lemarillo was all in on Artemi Panarin. They weren't able to get it done, but he offered him the most money. And like that would have been the difference. That would have been the difference. So that that's what he's looking for. So that's why Taylor Hall makes a lot of sense. Excuse me, I couldn't get that word out. Sense. Um, but outside of that, who else is available? Again, like yeah, Patrick Kane. They're not trading him. Oh, I don't no. think they are. Um, but no one else is out there. So maybe Tampa if they don't make the playoffs and they decide like you know what we're not going to do it. Uh, then they, they they have some pieces that are that are interesting, but outside of that, like I, I doubt it. They're only two points out of third in in the Atlantic, so yeah, they're not they're not going to give up yet. No, exactly. So, anything else on Lou Lamarillo and the decision to make a trade or not make a trade? I'm just all in on him making a trade. Please, like the only one you've done is Matt Martin. It was a great trade. So far, you're winning. Your 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 trade was it like. The number of trades you made, you're doing them all well. Wow, I'm really bad at this. I, I don't even know what you're trying to say. Just every he hasn't lost a trade yet. Boom, there it is. Okay, <laughs> okay, one for one. <laughs> yeah, there you go, one for one. That took me a while to stumble out of that one. Oh, boy. Jesus Murphy. All right, ready to get into the quiz segment, Mitch? Yes, let's do that. Let's change the topic completely. So, as you all know, it is the Ken Sutton edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast. Ken Sutton played 21 games for the New York Islanders in the 2001-2002 season. So, Matt, I'm going to ask you three questions about Mr. Ken Sutton. First one, what position did he play? Basing this strictly off his name and nothing else, he sounds like a defenseman. He was a defenseman. Good job by you. I love it. Was he an Islanders draft pick? This question number two. Did the Islanders draft him in the entry draft? I'm going to go with no. That is correct. They did not. The Buffalo Sabres drafted him in the 1989 entry draft in the fifth round, 14th in the fifth round, 98th overall. Okay. Third, how many points did he score with us? You know his position. You know what year he played. You know how many games he played. How many points did he score for the hat trick? Four. Bram. Close. Two. Okay. Scored two points for the Islanders. This is Mr. Ken Sutton. So good job by you. You got two out of three. According to Meatloaf, that ain't bad. All right, I'll take it. Good job. You seem to know your Islanders defenseman from 2001-2002, even though you were like three months old or something. No, not that young. I I was. That was eighteen seven. years ago. Seven. Six. Seven. Oh God, Jesus Murphy. Yeah, I was a youngin. You were a youngin then. That's for sure. That was first grade, Matt O'Leary. <laughs> first grade, Matt O'Leary, just really tall, skinny, and and what did you have a Mets ball cap on the first day of school? Uh, probably. I was always the one of the tallest. Like you. In elementary school, did they ever make you like get on the risers and like sing or something like that? I was always like on the last row in the middle because I was always like the tallest. Really? So me they had me to, like, and this descend all the kids around you the other way. Yeah, they do it in they do it in height order. So it was really, it was always me and this girl Julia Texter. She was a very tall girl. So it was the both of us. When when it came to class picture, were you always standing on on the bench at the end, or did they make you not no, stand they made on the us, bench? We were on the risers for that too. Yeah, that never that never made sense to me. I was always looking at them going like, why are the tall kids behind us standing on things? We're the not tall kids. Make us stand on things and have them sit. Yeah, that, w- that would make a sense. Right? They'll prop up the short kids, although I'm not really short, but like still. I'm short compared to you. I guess so. 6'4". No, I don't play basketball. That's usually how it happens. They're like, wow, you're tall. Do you play basketball? No. That's that's the conversation every single time. It's wild. It doesn't sound like a big big difference. I'm six feet. You're only six four. And I was like, ah, it's not a big difference. But then when I saw you, I was like, holy hater, that's six four. My goodness, 
I always have to look up. <laughs> yeah, most people do. So, oh boy. Uh, so that's it on the quiz. Thank you very much for providing me some more info on our friend Ken Sutton. Yeah, well, no, no worries. There, there'll be a good addition for number 22. Don't worry about that. Oh, I'm sure there will be. With that, let's get into the social segment. Mitch, what do you got for us? So first one, I, I know the other week I said I live only on Twitter. Uh, well, that's not true. I also live on Reddit. And so okay. this week there was a good post on Reddit from, I just want to get this right. Oh, my God. Why do they have to have such a long username? Username George Costanza's dad. That took me a while to just make sure that's what, is, that's what it was. And uh, the, the post is, in honor of his insane performance tonight is a meme, and it's the Lisa Simpson one where she's standing in front of the, uh, the drop-down projector screen. And it said, Robin Leonard made more of a cultural impact on the Isles fan base in one season than John Tavares did in nine. And I thought, mm. heck yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'd probably have to agree, right? He's not saying that one was did more positive for the team. He's just saying culturally, like affected us and, and, and stuck with the fan base and resonated for the fan base. Robin Leonard did more in one year than John Tavares did in nine. And that's absolute fact. Yeah, I definitely feel a more emotional connection to Robin Leonard than I do John Tavares. Like obviously, he didn't help himself by leaving, but let, let's even just take that out of the equation. Let's take John Tavares leaving out of, or even he left under the best circumstance. Let's just put it that way, even. He leaves under the best circumstance. Now play every John Tavares memory you have, and do you find yourself uh, cozier to Robin Leonard or John Tavares? It's definitely closer, but I still think Leonard. Yeah, exactly. Like you're, Everything you're going through is like, well, he scored that overtime goal. He he won the series against Florida. He almost won an art not an art Ross trophy, a, a hard trophy because he was like the best player on the ice. Was it a hard? No, was, I think it was an art Ross. He was close to, to getting uh, in fourteen fifteen. I think it was. Either way, mm. anyways, uh, those all are, are all on the ice. Off the ice, it's always like, oh well, I thought we played well, and um, you know, just try harder, and then the puck stops with me, and uh, you know, like bleep blop bloop meltdown. <laughs> Random tweet, bleep, blop, bloop. My cousin made a handbag, bleep, blop, bloop. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's very true. And while, like you said, Leonard was only on the team for one year, they won a playoff series, which is something that they did just once in John Tavares's entire tenure. And granted, he didn't have the same staying power. He wasn't the franchise savior that, you know, everyone thought Tavares was going to be. And to some extent, was a little bit over that that time span. We don't have to necessarily get into that, but the point is, Leonard's it's it's Leonard's off the ice stuff for me. It's just what he did last year, and the connection that you feel with him, and he's such an easy guy to root for. I like I, I am thrilled that he's thriving in Chicago. I can't get enough of it, and I think he's actually. He's a better soundbite this year off the ice. Like he's speaking his mind a little bit, and I've just everything he says I find very captivating. Like even we talked about it recently too, the athletic story where he was talking about cancel culture and stuff like that. We both said, did we agree with everything he said? Probably not, but I, I still was very intrigued, and I cared about his opinion, even if I didn't necessarily didn't agree with it. I was like, I want to hear what this guy has to say. Yeah, and that that's a huge um, compliment to. Not only him as a player, but him as a person, which which is what this post is, is saying. Like, will you care more about Robin Leonard as a person than you do John Tavares, excluding the leaving part? Take that out of the equation, and you still probably care more about Robin Leonard as a person than John Tavares. You do. You love John Tavares on the ice. Off the ice, do you even know who he is? He loves grocery shopping, for crying out loud. Who the hell likes grocery shopping? You could say, I like cooking food. I like preparing food. I like making food. I even like eating food. No one in their right mind loves shopping for food. It's the worst part of the process. <laughs> it is. And the cleanup. That second, probably. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It's Unless you have a dishwasher, you just throw it in there. Or paper plates. Oh, people leave out of paper plates are geniuses. Yeah, I'd love that. Love that. But I, I 100% agree with you. Good. All right. So what do you got? One, one of mine, I, I teased it a little bit earlier. So yesterday, the Yankees signed Garrett Cole, who is the best pitcher. Who's that? Okay. He, plays for the, he played for the Houston Astros. He put up great numbers the last two years. He was with the Pittsburgh Pirates previously. He was the best 
starting pitcher on the market. The Yankees desperately needed a starting pitcher, like I said. So they gave him a nine-year contract at $326 million. No, $324 million. Huh? It was 45, right? 345? No, 324. Oh, okay. All right. $324 Over nine years, which is, let's do per year just for fun. 35, I think it is? 36. $36 million per year. In 2014, the New York Islanders, an entire franchise, sold for $425. (laughs) The entire team, the arena, everything was $425 million. One player was 324. The moral of the story. Play baseball. <laughs> or if you're good at it, stick with it because you're going to get paid, son. Unfortunately, sorry, it's only sons. Sorry, ladies. Yes. It really sucks, and but. It, it definitely does. And that also, conversation for another day. Yes. He, <laughs> that's like the same thing with Kyler Murray. I feel like made that mistake. So he got drafted for both baseball, football. He is the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals right now. So clearly he chose football. He is not making a ton of money yet. Uh, granted, it's different because quarterbacks are like the only position to make big guaranteed money. But baseball, all their contracts are guaranteed. Yeah. I, you, there's something to be said about he just loved football more than baseball. True. Right. But if you're looking at financially, you're going, oh, man, you could have made a whole lot more money. But there's also the idea that there's nothing guaranteed in baseball. Yes, the, the, the paycheck is guaranteed, but you still have to slog it through years of of prospect pools and are not prospect pools what am i talking about developmental leagues mm-hmm. right like you're not immediately thrown into into the bigs whereas in football you're just you're there if you're good enough you're playing right and, and arizona cardinals come on and wasn't his like coach now the coach for the cardinals as well uh no so what happened was uh cliff kingsbury who's the cardinals coach when he was at I guess Texas Tech still at the time as their head coach. He said if he had the first pick, he would take Kyler Murray. Okay. And then he became the head coach, and they were like, well, the Cardinals just drafted a quarterback in the first round last year. Are they really going to take Kyler Murray? And then they did and traded Josh Rosen. Makes sense, right? (laughs) He he said years ago, Josh Rosen must have been like, oh, damn, I'm I'm getting traded. (laughs) And now Josh Rosen is whittling away on the Dolphins, not even starting. Uh, nonetheless, I just wanted to mention that because to me that's crazy that a franchise sold for four hundred twenty-five million dollars, and that he so Garrett Cole now has enough money where he could buy three NHL franchises, Mitch, because the Columbus Blue Jackets, Arizona uh, Coyotes, I almost said Arizona Cardinals. We were just talking about them, and Florida Panthers in twenty eighteen they were all evaluated by uh, Forbes as less than. The three hundred twenty-four million dollars. That's wild. He could be, he, he could own it and then take on all the losses. Although, like, if I could buy the Columbus Blue Jackets, I probably would. Just as the, yeah. that, that seems like a, a what well, looks like they're a passionate fan base. I don't know what their their, their uh, attendance record is like, but I imagine it's, it's pretty good. Um, so that there's money to be made there. The other two, eh, eh, we'll see about that. Yeah, don't I don't know if I'd want to get in on Arizona or Florida, but I agree with you on the Columbus thing. Yeah, that sounds like a sound investment because that that's going to gain, that's going to jump. Well, right now, right as soon as Seattle comes in, boom, there's what thirty million dollars that you get just right there, just from that, just about right. So that that's a windfall plus whatever TV months. Anyways, you're right. Like that's crazy that one player is getting that one player. That's one person. Incredible. Yep. Anything else social segment for you? Oh, definitely. Okay, I wonder what this is going to be. Yeah, so when we usually, we we only got three minutes here, so let's make it good. When we go in and we find what we want to talk about for the social, we say what's hot on Islanders Twitter over our social media over the last week. And there's only one thing when you do hashtag Isles over the last period that keeps coming up. And it's this clown from Odds Shark who are, according to themselves, the most reliable source for online sports betting information. But if you haven't seen it, this, oh, I want to use so many terrible terms that I can't repeat on a PG podcast. Um, The main thing is he calls the Islanders frauds because their Corsi is bad. (laughs) 
I like, can, you can guarantee you he has watched zero seconds of the Islanders in the last two years. Not even just the Islanders. You're absolutely right. This guy doesn't understand how hockey works, it seems. It, it's not to say that, that Corsi, if you're not good at Corsi, you're definitely going to be good. It's just, if you know anything about how the Islanders roll, and even how hockey's rolling right now, it's just, yes, Corsi's is, is a, a good measure for how good a team was, but it's not for how good a team will be. Corsi's not a, a, a uh, predictive statistic. It's a descriptive statistic. It tells you who held the puck more. It really it doesn't tell you who's going to be the best team. It doesn't. If you watch any soccer, you know that that's not the case because soccer teams regularly, at least worse teams, have an active strategy saying we're going to let them play with the ball and hit them on the counterattack. That's the, the, the basic strategy for anyone who's facing a big team and isn't a big team themselves. Like when West Ham United plays Liverpool, Liverpool's at the top of the league. West Ham United is near the bottom. When they play uh, Liverpool, they're going to say, hold it, and we're going to hit you on the break. That's the strategy, and it's always the strategy, and it always, not always works, but it, it usually works well. So to say this in hockey, be like, oh, they don't have a good Corsi, so they're going to be they're gonna be garbage. Have you seen anything? Have you watched anything on any, uh, any platform on any hockey at all to be the most reliable source? Please. Absolute garbage and he got roasted for it he did and it made me happy because i took that night i bet the islanders money line and i was telling anyone i could i was like i am very confident in this and i won because they they won 5-1 it wasn't even remotely close he was very sure that he was going to cover the one and a half puck line to the point where he thought Tampa Bay was going to win by two goals or more, which is crazy because the Islanders don't give up a ton of goals. Yes, I know Tampa Bay has a good offense, but well, even if they year, lost that they game, don't I think... Year. Yeah, true. True. But I, I, I was confident, and that's not the point. It, it's... And I just don't like that he doubled down on it, too. Well, he's got to play the heel card. Right now, he, he's clearly a heel. He's clearly doing it for, for, for likes and retweets and attention because, you know, that, that, that counts in today's market. Um, but like, it's just ridiculous. It's absolutely insane that someone could go spew that kind of garbage and then say he's getting, if anyone's sending him death threats, please stop. If that's actually, if that's real, please don't do that. No, no one merits that. It's just sports. But like, this guy is clearly an idiot. Just, just, just fill his mentions with, with you're an idiot. And then it'll keep coming. And he's obviously bothering him and that's fine. That's great. Bother him. Don't, don't send him death threats. That's too much. No, death threats is for nobody. Zero person should get death threats on the internet, but it's very frustrating that there are still people that think like this about this team. How? What else does this team have to do? They had 103 points last year. They went on a 17-game point streak this year. They're the third best team in the Eastern Conference. This guy said they're going to finish towards the bottom and not make the playoffs? That's just ludicrous. Like I understand that's mathematically possible that they just fall off a cliff. It's just unlikely. Like teams don't do that. E- even Buffalo, when they they had t- that ten game win streak two years ago, they didn't fall to the bottom of the league. They they fell to you know they fell, uh, but it wasn't the bottom. It's just absolutely ridiculous that that someone can to make that claim and then it's just like, yep, well, I'm proud of it. What you say? Like, yeah, I thought they would do it, but they didn't. All right, whatever. Sorry, but no, it just. But that's what it takes today. You got to stake a, stake a line and and. and as far off of you, you got to go as far away from the middle as possible, right? Like the boldest claim possible, you have to stake that claim and keep that line and die on that goddamn hill. Because if you don't, well, what are you? Are you even a sports person then, anymore? Like it's ridiculous. Then you're the fraud. Apparently, uh, I, I just wanted to bring this last tweet in relation to it. It's from sure. Alexander Agen, so at Alexander A I G E N, who says uh, at Ian Mac OS, who is or Ian, I don't care how his name is pronounced. Anyways. The person who said the dumb stuff. Need, this person needs to stop embellishing the situation. Or embellishing the situation. Sorry, I can't read. Simply put, you were uninformed, made a baseless comment, were wrong, and faced the heat from one of the league's most passionate fan bases. Hashtag Isles. And I thought this summed up exactly how I felt. Perfectly. Mm-hmm. He said something stupid, and he paid for it by a, a, a fan base that is very, very passionate and is, stre- is flexing its muscle. And I'm loving it. Yeah, I I definitely I agree. Like we've we've been noticed. So that's the positive I'm taking out of this is that the Islanders fans have been noticed. They have been noticed. We are here. We are vocal. Get used to it. 100%. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Thank you. Well, thank uh, you, that, Alex. 
Absolutely. Sorry. I think that's going to be it for us, Mitch. But before yep. we get out of here, I'm just going to get some plugs in here. So if you are interested, like we mentioned earlier, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. Actually, someone at the radio party said that he and his dad, who go to games, were interested in getting in on that. So I definitely hope that they do that. So That'd be thanks. nice. Shout out to JP and his dad. If, if you guys uh, hop into the Patreon, we definitely recommend doing that. Uh, you can also follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary and why Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You could visit the website eyesonisles.com. You could download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, available on iPhone or Android. And uh, that'll do it for episode 121, Mitch. It was a fun one. It's a good one. 122 coming up. Can't wait. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He is Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.